0: Hey, everybody, and welcome to episode 96 of How I Built It. Today, my guest is PJ Tai, founder of UScreen—that's U that's U-S-C-R-E-E-N dot TV. It's an online video website uh, where you can create your courses, sell your videos, things like that. Now, I am all about services like this because I am big into online education and Making that process as easy as possible is super important to me. PJ really understands this market and everything that needs to be done to make creating your own online courses or even your own online TV series really simple while still maintaining complete control. So we're going to get to all of that in a minute, but first... I want to tell you that this episode is brought to you by Pantheon, our season-long sponsor, and Backblaze, a brand new sponsor I'm really excited to have this week. This episode is brought to you by Backblaze. As someone who works online all the time from home, I know how important off-site backups are. That's why I use Backblaze. For just $5 a month, you can fully backup up your Mac or PC no matter how much space you need. It's all unlimited. They make it super easy to do it, too. Just install their app on your computer, and they take care of the rest. That's why they've already backed up over 600 petabytes of data. You'll learn more about them later in this episode, but do yourself a favor and start the backup process now. For just $5 a month, go to backblaze.com slash build something. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of How I Built It, the podcast that asks, how did you build that? Today, my guest is PJ Ty of Uscreen. PJ, how are you today?
1: All right. I'm doing well, Joe. I'm happy to be here.
0: Yeah. Thanks for joining me. You reached out. The uh, Your uh, platform looks very interesting, so I, I'm excited to talk to you about it. Um, why don't you tell us a little bit about who you are and, and uh, how you came up with the idea for Uscreen?
1: Absolutely. Yeah. So uh, again, as you said, my name is PJ. I'm actually located in Washington, D.C. We work out of uh, Washington, D.C. Our uh, Two of our head people, myself and two other developers are here. Everyone else is actually remote. So we're a remote team. And we started Screen about four years ago when I saw a need for a easy to use uh, all-inclusive a video on-demand platform and that's what you screen is basically allows you to launch your own streaming service make money selling your own videos or like build your own Netflix type service whenever I say that everyone gets it pretty quickly nice. so we started the idea conception about three and a half four years ago tops
0: cool very cool so uh, so a common use case might be um, you know I have uh, I have an idea for a video uh, a series that might be a good YouTube channel idea but I you know I'm essentially kind of owning um, more of the experience than I would on YouTube is that right?
1: Uh, Sort of, well you know a lot of our customers actually have very solid good followings on YouTube Um, but YouTube you'll make money on ad revenue so if you have lots and lots of views you'll make some money, The, the percentages payouts are very low on YouTube you screen is for someone who wants to sell video directly to their audience. So make a sale and then you can view the content. So think of it as a fitness company who will charge $50 a month or 30 or $10 a month to gain access to view their content. So, you know, any kind of fitness video service, educational content. So if you're teaching English, then um, you might charge nine ninety five to gain access to all your content and teach uh, everyone a series of content to teach them how to dance english fitness ballet zumba uses us so it the content is all over the place it's um you know any vertical works
0: cool very cool so so actually uh, i have my own online courses i host the videos over on vimeo and then the entire platform is built on top of wordpress and woocommerce um maybe you could give a good uh um, list of the differences between like that and and you screen. I'm seeing on your features, you have uh, customization and hosting, learning tools, marketing, payments. So is this kind of an all in one platform for somebody who might want to have you know a series of online courses?
1: Absolutely, yeah. So I'm happy you brought that up. So definitely WordPress Vimeo plugin and then a membership plugin um, like WooCommerce or Memberful those three piece together, and then maybe you might need an analytics tool as well, all those on WordPress is an alternative to Uscreen. So one software versus four plugins is one way you can look at it. So the difference is really we do everything under one roof for a small monthly fee and no rev share where you are building multiple pieces of the same concept with multiple different plugins. And you're not really, because WordPress is a CMS system but it's made for everything, hosting a website, blog, everything. You really have to plug in a bunch of tools to make it a membership subscription video platform. right? We give you all of those tools under one roof. On top of that, we give you um, analytics, lots of subscription analytics. You can see your lifetime value, share, and all that good stuff. And then we also give you branded apps. So one thing you would have to do is... Go and spend, you know, five, ten, twenty thousand dollars per platform and build yourself an iOS app, up publish the app to the app store, and then go to your audience and your friends and family and say, Hey, do you want to watch my podcast or my show and videos and all that good stuff? Download this app. And then, whether it's free or pay a service fee to gain access to my content for a small monthly fee. We give you access to your iOS and Android apps, and then you can also have TV apps as well. So we do everything from the app publishing all the way to the video hosting. We give you the CMS system. We give you themes ready to go that are perfect for subscription video services. So you can you know, use them for fitness. You can use them for education, all that good stuff under one roof. Yeah, so it's pretty much comparing a plug-in of multiple tools versus one, hey, I'm ready to go we I always say you bring your content we do everything else so that's all you have to do on your screen
0: great and and that's fantastic right because i mean I, you know i'm a developer by trade and and um so i i have the know-how and experience to do something like set up an educational platform quickly using wordpress um but i mean it, there's a decision that you need to make when how you want to run your business. Do you want to focus on content, or do you want to focus on content, or also and also be the uh, technical support person? So if your site goes down, you have to fix it. If a plugin breaks, you have to fix it. Um, it, it depends on really what you want to focus on as the business owner.
1: Absolutely, that's correct. And I mean. A lot of time is you said you're a developer a lot of time is put into just setting up WordPress. Imagine getting multiple plugins then you got to update WordPress, keep it going and it's still it's not optimum performance for a uh video course service. it's kind of like pieced in together, so you have to research and see what plugin does what what doesn't, and all that good stuff. yeah, it really is a time to value type thing
0: right and and I mean looking at your pricing here um you know the the cost of Um, let's say the pro package for one year is going to be less than what you would pay a developer to do that if you didn't have the know-how. So, um, you know, there's a, you know, I, I, you know, I love WordPress. I love the whole ecosystem and doing things, but um, you know, there's the developer side of me and then the business side of me. That's like, you know, how do I want to spend my time? How do I want to spend my money?
1: Correct. And remember, like a Vimeo business package, it's still 30, 40 bucks a month. We host all your videos, unlimited, unlimited streaming bandwidth on any of the middle to higher packages with the apps. So you still got a lot of savings there as far as uh, streaming resources, server resources. You don't need your own server, right? WordPress, you got to host your own server. So you could pay anywhere between 30, 40, 50, 100 bucks a month, depending on the number of traffic, because Vimeo's resor- video is resource intensive. Right, so we host the complete server and videos for you.
0: Yeah, and uh, yeah, and that's a really great point too, right? There's a lot to think about. So, um, you know, I'm you know, I'm not weighing in one way or the other. Obviously, I do things one way, and I'm seeing this other way. But um, a lot can go into the decision making process, and uh, Ustream TV is is a way for you to. it looks like a way for you to focus on you know, the thing that you want to do best. Um, so as, as we talk about that, you know, you, you said about four years ago you found a need. Um, you saw a need for a service like this. What kind of research did you do? Uh, like, What kind of led you to that conclusion?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, what led me to the conclusion of seeing a need and actually launching the platform was, in my case, um, almost accidental. Because my previous web hosting company, which I ran and operated for 12 years, WebNet Hosting, which I sold uh, October 2016 to an, in a Canadian corporation called Entirely Digital, we, I hosted a lot of sites and servers through my life in the hosting company. The last few years of the hosting company's life, I um, I saw a lot of companies wanted to just host video. Video is definitely growing and booming. And they were trying to host it, but sell it and monetize it. And some of the only ways that they were able to do that, because they would come to us as the host provider asking questions Hey, do you have a simple way to, can you guys host video? How can I sell it? Can I set a price? The only real way to do that was, um, you know, there's like Vimeo on demand, for example, which takes 10%. It's a marketplace. It's kind of like Vimeo's turned its back on it. Um, it's a pretty clunky platform. There was that available there was putting it on wistia and then building your complete wordpress site um, and you know doing all the plugins and stuff which we all discussed um and then there's you know hosting of the actual media server which is very complicated which would be like wow's a media server so i didn't see too many good solutions in 2013 14 for something like that um there was pieces and you know bits and pieces that you had to put together So I did some preliminary research with kind of looking at our current customers on hosting and seeing if they're willing to pay for that type of service, what's out there, obviously a market research, just even if it's from Google, just doing some basic searches, seeing what comes up, what's available. It's good to actually see competition. You really do want to see that. You want to see that there's competition and they have customers, your competition has customers, and then you'll quickly figure out that there's better ways of doing things. For example, for us was, hey, Vimeo's taking a rev share, so we shouldn't charge a rev share. How can we make it work, not charge a rev share? Believe it or not, if you're starting out, rev share is good, right? Because you're like, hey, I can pay nothing and start out and pay 10, 20, 30%. But our average customer, we have about 1,100 paying customers now, makes about $3,300 a month. So on a 10% rev share... Um, and some of our competitors take up to 30%. That's a lot. That's three, $400 a month, and you're not, you know, they're going to charge you for video and bandwidth and all that, no app. So it gets expensive very quick. Um, so definitely there's you know, some value points that you will find um, that you can do right off the bat. But again, basic market research, looking at Google, seeing who's out there, hey, I have competitors. Do they have customers? That's always one great way to start.
0: Then yeah, that's that's a really great point, right? Cuz there's there's going to be two reasons why there's no competition. Either somebody didn't hasn't thought of this yet, uh, or the much more likely uh, people have thought of it but it's not necessarily a viable business option, right?
1: Absolutely, that's correct.
0: Today's episode is brought to you by Pantheon. WordPress 5.0 and the new editor Gutenberg are coming. Are you prepared? Do you want to learn about the changes in advance? Pantheon has gathered resources to help you prepare, including webinars and tutorials. Pantheon also has made it easy and free to try Gutenberg with your site before the official launch. Visit pantheon.io slash Gutenberg. Let them know that How I Built It sent you. And now back to the show. You saw the need, you did the research to see what competition was out there, and then you adjusted your business model. Um, did you, uh, you know, I'm part of a mastermind group. I go to conferences and network a lot, and I talk to people and bounce ideas off of other people. Um, did you talk to anybody about maybe the initial feature set or uh, pricing business advice, anything like that?
1: Yeah, I mean, initially um, I did, and, and it would be a series of people. Um, I was actually part of, when I started out, um, Knowing that, hey, I want to start this VOD platform, I joined an incubator, which is called 1776, and it's in local in Washington, D.C. So that helps. If you have any type of startup advising incubator, I would say if you have a startup incubator near some D.C., you know, some metropolitan area near you, they offer good advising. So you can definitely get help for free, and that helps a lot. Um, so that was one way I started out, just getting you know to, to better understand how can I how I can go to market and so forth. I experimented with pricing initially, um, and then I spoke to customers. That helps a lot. Uh, you want to make sure that you, as the founder owner, you know, starting out, you call your customers and you get the feedback, because if a salesperson does it, which I had my hosting salesperson do it initially. Um, they're going to sell it. And you do want to obviously sell it, but you don't have a product. So when a salesperson sells something, they really hype it up. Hey, would you pay for a video service that had lots of features and an app and you could stream it on TV and then you could even buy it in-app purchases and you're going to make more revenue. You can compete with Netflix. If you obviously tell that to the average person, they're going to get very excited. So you're going to almost get false feedback. Rather, you want to be the owner of the company calling and saying, hey, listen, I know you're selling... Already streaming videos like individually on your website? It's kind of broken. Would you pay for a service um, rather than selling your DVDs? Would you pay for a service on the web and actually pay a monthly fee to get additional apps? So um, it definitely, uh, you get a different vibe from the customers. And that's how you want to kind of validate your concept is you want to be the one getting out of the building, as they say. To get your initial uh, feedback.
0: That's really interesting, right? Because people might view the founder, the owner, the the first, you know, employee number one, let's say, uh, as not only the mastermind behind the product, but also the salesperson. Uh, but but what you're saying makes a lot of sense, right? Because. Uh, do you think this is a good idea versus would you pay money for this? They're two very different questions. And like you said, you'll get a false positive from the first one.
1: Absolutely. That's correct. And you want to call a series of customers and you want to make sure you're not selling it to them. You're really almost getting advice.
0: Great. Yeah. And then, and then uh, along with that advice, you have the feature set or at least uh, the things that people might be disappointed in with their current solution. Um, you know, the things that might make them jump ship for a, a new product.
1: Absolutely. That's very correct.
0: Fantastic. So uh, we are, well, we're about at the halfway mark, which is when I like to ask the title question, uh, how did you build it? So, um, you know, you're the founder of this company. Uh, it sounds like you have a bit of, of technical aspect Um Technical background to you. Uh, did you did you actually put down any code? Were you the architect of the feature set? You know, what was your role in building use
1: Yeah, absolutely. So I didn't code. I'm not a developer, but I definitely have a technical background. Like I was in, initially in IT, I was a Microsoft certified systems engineer. Um, so I have background as far as like computers go and um, networking and Cisco stuff. But I've never, I've never been a coder. I can you know, read and understand HTML. That's the extent of it. Uh, so definitely it was a huge learning curve to learn how to build a software. I had never built a software. And I will say I think that's one of the hardest things I've done. Um, not so much um, building the code. Developers can do that. But building the right product for the right audience with the right set of features. Because if you build all the features, it's not going to work. Guaranteed. Um, and the features that you build need to be right for your audience. They need to be easy to use. If you build too fast, they'll have bugs. If they're hard to use, then people won't use it. Um, So exactly figuring out the right formula to build the right features um, for the right audience is probably, for me, the hardest part because you're going to have to figure out your product market fit early on so you can build for them. Because if you find that out too late or... Later down the line, which is what we did, right? then in that case you're building uh, tools for uh, customers or potential audience that doesn't really need those tools. And initially when starting out, if your marketing is good, because I had a hosting background and I had launched an online company before, so my online marketing and all that stuff, I was up to par. I knew what I needed to do. It was quick for me to get off the ground, launch a website, get it SEO optimized, start writing content, optimize it, get ranked, build your conversion funnel, all that stuff, landing pages. So I got all that down very quickly. I already knew how to do it. So it was just a matter of executing. So what happens initially is you're going to get a lot of customers. And I'm not saying a lot of customers, you're going to get a wide variety of customers, mm-hmm. right? So you're going to get 10 customers and they're all wanting kind of different things, but your marketing looks cool and you sold it to them. So they're going to sign up, but they actually want to do different things. So who are you going to build for? Right, So you're going to have to say no to a certain group of customers and yes to the other group of customers. You have to figure that out early on. So how I built it initially was I started contracting um, different companies, which I initially looked in Poland because I knew they did a lot of Rails. I did know I wanted to build in Rails just because it was up and coming. It's clean, um, and it was still affordable rather than PHP, for example. PHP is more affordable, but I just want to specifically write on Rails. I knew it was the future. Um, it's a cleaner framework. So I looked for contracting companies in Poland and I shopped for rates. I shopped for personality. I shopped for expertise. And I went through uh, two, three companies within the first six months, just kind of writing code, playing with concepts and stuff like that. Um, And I definitely, you know, spent money doing that. It's not cheap to hire developers. And until they really build and get out there, you're going to spend some money, you know, doing that. So, um, And then what we did was we hired, um, started hiring our own developers, bringing them in under that um, same umbrella of the outsourcing companies, and then eventually phasing them out. I think we phased them out within our first, from the day we launched about 15, 16, 18 months later, max, we had our own team. Because it's the only way to really build properly is to stay away from development companies unless you know exactly what you're gonna do which 99% of like newly found founders probably don't. That's just my opinion. Um, You know exactly what you're going to do. You're always going to pivot. Um, If you know exactly what you're going to do, then maybe you can find a contracting company to say, hey, built this exactly like this in this framework. But if you have any deviations in any way, you're going to spend a lot of money with people that don't work for you, which are not fully vested, kind of building proof of concept. So it can get uh, expensive really quickly.
0: Gotcha. So that's another very interesting perspective, right? Um, As somebody who's come from the agency world, we got hired by people to build websites for them essentially. But, you know, this wasn't their product. This was something to help promote their business or their product. Um, Having, it sounds like having your own team, if you have a digital product, is super important for the things that you just mentioned right first of all uh, you have a group of people who understand the, the, the code base and, and how the product works really well um, and then you have people who are vested in the project right it's not just a, a job for them um, it's it's their career essentially as opposed to like hiring out a contractor that uh, you know is not sure if they'll have that contract in six months or whatever right it, it that sounds about
1: about right? Absolutely, that's correct. Yeah, I mean, contractors, especially with designing a product, you really want to be vested in there. You want to like, you know, you want to own up to it. There's challenges. Like one day you're going to be like, hey, build this. Literally seven days later, you're going to be like, no. And then people get demotivated pretty quickly. You're going to have the same challenges with an internal team too. It really takes a lot to um, hire a developer, and you don't know much about development, right? And then be able to motivate that person and kind of let everybody know that this is going to succeed. So I think there's a lot of challenges outside of just even the, the, basically what I mean is there's a lot of challenges to making the company work and it's not just getting customers. Getting your team to really perform and build a software is a huge challenge. Marketing and getting customers is another challenge. So um, definitely just having a platform is not going to get you business. You're going to have to market it, but... If you can build a platform or a software or an app that works a specific way for an audience, I definitely think it's an advantage because it's not be easy to build software for, um, I think, the average founder, for example. That's why they say if you have any kind of technical background, it helps. Um, and I mean, I'm technical, but I'm not a technical developer, so it doesn't help me too much. I have to learn um, my way in and out, basically.
0: Absolutely, especially since I mean today. Like I'm a developer, but I'm a front-end developer. If I were to go off and build some big platform, I would definitely need somebody who understands uh, server architecture and somebody who understands caching and stuff a little bit better than I do. Um, so you know, even as a developer with technical knowledge, I, I can't, I'm, I can't confidently build a good product on my own. I need other people who have different areas of expertise.
1: That's absolutely correct. Yeah, see, you said that right. You're front-end, you don't know back-end, but still, you you have a good understanding just being a developer would help a lot. Rather than me, I was fully green on, I knew what the difference between front-end and back-end was, but I was still pretty green as far as architecture, plugging everything in together, um, proof of concept, and all that good stuff. So any kind of development background helps.
0: Absolutely. And so there's one more thing I want to touch on here. And that's, um, that's uh, the idea of building like a company culture, which is something that you can more easily do with your own employees, right? You talk about you want people to be vested in the product. Can you talk a little bit about, um, you know, what's that like? Having a company culture, I imagine, allows you to allows everybody to kind of rally around uh, this thing and they're to make them feel like they're really part of uh, something.
1: Absolutely, that's correct. Yeah, see, we're a remote team. There's, I think, 12 of us now. Uh, me and my head developer are in D.C. because he lives here, uh, but everyone else is remote. So being remote seems cool, but it's actually harder. It really is. I think being a remote business, it's harder to do business. reason is that, uh, one, time management, you really don't know what people are doing and how efficient are you working from home. Now there's tools and stuff to help with that. Um, and and obviously you're going to learn project management better, which is what I did, and then I learned to manage them better. Um, The the upside is that it's definitely more affordable. That's why Mm -hmm. I initially started out uh, remote um, because we're a bootstrap company, so we're self-funded, and I'm the only funder. So, you know, hiring a developer at eight, $10,000 a month in DC, needing three wow. of them and app developers was not even feasible. That's $50,000 a month in development fees, which is at a time when you don't even know, you know, what you're building. So, you're going to spend that for a year till you figure it out. So, remote helps that. Building a company culture with a remote team is not easy, it's harder. So um, we were lucky, one of my traits is uh, I'm able to, just from experience, I can kind of uh, immediately within a few interviews of you know, a few different candidates, I could tell which one will probably be a fit for us, just from experience of hiring and firing, I've learned that. So we luckily, knock on wood, have a really good team right now. Um, and w- the culture kind of, you, you can feel it, that everybody's hardworking They want to succeed. They want the app to work. And then we obviously um, have had some growing pains with uh, certain people in our company that have left uh, and just not matched and so forth. It's easy to tell. But the core of the group definitely sticks together. It's a really solid team. So building a culture around that, um, you kind of get with experience. You really do. You start to uh, hire different skill sets and different types of people, but they have similarity in where they want to go. They want the company to succeed. They know you're bootstrapped. They like the product. They like what's going on. And that gets a little bit easier as you go along as the product matures because you're going to hire people. You're going to be like, hey, we have a thousand customers. Here they are. Here's what they're doing. Here's how much money they make. Here's their challenges. This is the bugs. These are the things we want to do. So people are like, oh, wow, all right, stuff's happening. Rather than at the beginning... You're kind of like, yeah, listen, we want this to, the market is big, we want to acquire customers, it's possible for us to get to this MRR, um, and here's all the stuff they want. we want to do. And then as you're going through that process, there's a lot of doubts, and there's a lot of failures, and there's a lot of features you're going to motivate the heck out of your team, and then the feature is going to get trashed. So people get demotivated. That definitely happened. That's something that I learned with developers is, I just don't understand this. I've always learned how to work hard and there's good times and bad times. And if something doesn't work, you trash it and you move on. But developers tend to say, I'm burned out. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm demotivated. Well, that kind of means they put their heart into building a feature that you really motivated them for for three months. They built it for another three months. So six months was spent. And then all of a sudden, it's not used anymore. And that happened a lot with us. We kept trashing features. So that's demotivating for a team. And you do lose that culture eventually. But, you know, obviously you have to stay on top of it. It really is a full-time job just to keep people happy. It's, uh, you know, that's why now I understand as I'm getting older and running businesses, you need project managers. You really got to get people to be on top of
0: things. This episode is brought to you by Backblaze. Earlier, I mentioned the importance of off-site backups and how for just $5 a month, Backblaze can get you unlimited space on their servers. But you may be wondering... How easy are restores? Well, not only can you access backups from their mobile apps, use their desktop app to initiate restores and share backup files through links, but you can even do a restore by mail. You can buy a backup on a flash key or a hard drive and they will mail it to you. Send the hard drive back and get a full refund. Don't get caught without a backup. For just $5 a month, you can get unlimited backups with Backblaze. That's like one drink at Starbucks. Visit backblaze.com/buildsomething to get started today. That's backblaze.com/buildsomething. I kind of like to equate development with artwork in a sense because like you said, you know, you have these developers pouring their heart and soul into making something that's really good and then, you know, it gets trashed or maybe um uh you know you find someone finds a lot of bugs or someone says it's not very well built, and you really take that hard um you know i I suspect that's why developers don't really like testing their own code because you know you're actively trying to break your own code um and that's not something you want to do because you just put all this time into it so uh that's i mean that's very interesting and uh as somebody who works from home self employed uh and came from a remote team. I definitely understand the difficulty of having a remote team and, and still trying to build that culture or even just somebody working from home all the time. You know, I'm an extrovert and uh, you know, I, get, I, I, I like having FaceTime with, with people going out there and a co-working space helps, but um, you definitely see the challenges of uh, building a culture with people who are all over the world, different time zones, different uh, countries and stuff like that.
1: That's absolutely true. That's a great way to put it.
0: Great. Well, we are we're coming up on time, so I want to ask you uh, um, these last these last two questions. Right? We we know where screen is today. Uh, what transformations has it gone through since it first launched? And what are your plans for the future?
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's gone through a lot of transformations. Um, Initially, we literally thought our product was for anyone with any kind of video, like that's trying to monetize videos, Um, even like an individual with like one video that's just trying to sell um, a a course. Uh, Obviously, our platform is. Per works perfectly for someone like that but you're more able, you're more likely to succeed if you have a few hours of content mm-hmm. so you can kind of build a video business around it um, so it's transformed a lot that the platform has gone from lots of features to still we have a lot of features but it's really they work well they're tweaked and they're easy to use we've made a lot of transformations on the look and feel the back end we're completely updating our themes and adding a lot of beautiful themes that basically allow you to build your site just like Netflix it's pretty crazy Wow! so um, we have a lot of good stuff coming we've definitely gone through some transformations
0: very cool that sounds I mean that sounds really great especially because uh you know the with my theme I had to make some customizations to make sure that video was prioritized right that's uh as somebody who has video courses, I want to make sure that the videos are nice and big on a desktop, and then look good on mobile too. Since, um, and maybe you can speak to this a little bit. I find a lot more people are consuming my content on mobile devices. Absolutely, yeah, it's it's crazy. It's sixty percent wow.
1: of our average users watching content on mobile. It's sixty percent. There's no doubt. So that's why the apps do really well. Like, you know how you have a Netflix app on your phone? We give you the same thing under your name. So How I Built It would be an app.
0: Great, um, great. So they, That's, they uh, that go sounds all. good. I should have a, a How I Built It app. <laughs> um, exactly. That So that sounds fantastic. And then uh, I always like to end with this question, which is, uh, do you have any trade secrets for us? Trade secrets, all right. Um, yeah, I mean, obviously, I think one trade secret could
1: be uh, hire people smarter than you. <laughs> so that's <laughs> definitely, uh, you know, someone actually an investor in San Francisco told me that once. And I kind of was like, why would you want to do that? They'll kind of, I thought to myself, as soon as he said it to me, why would you want to do that? They'll take over your business. But no, I think that's the wrong way to think. The world's moving so fast. Technology is moving so fast. SaaS is so complex. And getting, it, you know, building software Still, is very hard, but it's getting easier by the day. Um, So you you definitely want really smart people on your team. It's not easy to do business online. It really isn't. That's why so many companies fail. I literally every night think about ways that we don't want to fail, like what I can do to succeed constantly. I keep motivating the team. um, And I don't let people get too comfortable. It's probably another trade secret. Don't get too comfortable. As soon as companies make money, and I did this in my previous company, Everybody gets comfortable. That's a downside because uh, business is war. So the other competitor that you don't know about is definitely coming for you. Um, and that's one thing that uh, I would recommend is not to get too comfortable too quickly.
0: Wow, that's, that's great. Two really great pieces of advice. Uh, hire people smarter than you is reminds me of why I left one of my previous jobs from years ago. I, I realized that I was the you know, not to sound conceited or anything, but I realized that I was the best developer in the office and I didn't want to be that uh, because I realized that I wouldn't be able to learn from anybody. Um, so I, you know, I left that and then I went to work at the agency that I was previously at where everybody was way smarter than me and I learned a ton. Um, and then don't get too comfortable, which is great, right? People see their businesses doing well and they assume their business will continue to do well uh, and they can just coast. But uh, I say this with people who develop online courses all the time, um specifically online courses uh this is not passive income, you know it's maybe more passive or passive for short amount of time, short amounts of time but um if you run a business, it's not truly passive income if you want to do it right
1: That's absolutely correct, yeah, it's hard work it's not easy it's not anything like. They make it sound like where you're self-employed, you work your own hours. Nothing like that. If you're trying to build a company, it's absolutely the opposite of that. But if you want to build an individual consulting business, then yeah, it's totally different.
0: Awesome. Well, PJ, thanks so much for taking the time and joining me today. I really appreciate it. Absolutely, it's been a pleasure, Joe. Thank you very much. Yeah, thank. And uh, where can people find you?
1: All right. So our website is uscreen.tv. That's the letter U and then screen like computerscreen.tv, and my email is pj at uscreen.tv. I look forward to hearing from anyone that wants to reach out to me. Happy to speak to you.
0: Awesome, and I will link those in the show notes. So thank you, PJ. Thanks to our sponsors, and thank you for listening. Until next time, get out there and build something. Thanks so much to PJ, for his time today. I really appreciate the conversation that we had. I love the U Screen service. I think it's really interesting. And I think he gave us a lot of really good advice. Be sure to check out everything he does in the show notes. And thanks again to our sponsors, Backblaze and Pantheon. Both of them offer fantastic resources and you should absolutely check them out. The question of the week for you is, are you thinking about starting an online course? And if so, what is stopping you? Let me know on Twitter at Casabona or email me, Joe, at howibuiltit. You can also join the Facebook community over at howibuilt.it slash Facebook. I'll ask the question over there too, and you'll have the opportunity to discuss it with other listeners. I want to build a strong community for this podcast, and Facebook is absolutely the place to do it. Don't forget to check out our new t-shirts and mugs over at the slash shop. And as always, for all of the show notes, head over to howibuilt.it slash nine six. If you like the show, give it a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. It really helps people discover us. And everybody, I, I've been seeing a lot of really great growth in the show over the last few months. I really, really appreciate your support. So thanks so much. And until next time, get out there and build something.